Welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with a smiling Drew Dinsick. We're going to talk to Brad Spielberger from PFF shortly about Lamar Jackson and then also some NFL futures markets, including where we see value in the AFC South and the NFC West and also some season win totals. And then we'll wrap up talking NBA. But Drew, how are you? How was you yesterday? It was uh, it was good, um, as good a, a day can be when you uh, when you bet into a minus five, it closes minus ten, and then the team that you laid it with uh, concedes something like twenty points in the final five minutes of the game. Uh, of course, talking about of uh, just an absolutely gross push uh, with uh, Nuggets and Sixers, uh, even though we had a dead on read that Embiid was not going to play, and that moved the market a lot. Uh, all that said, though, Clippers took care of business. Uh, the Knicks dropped a hammer in the fourth quarter. Uh, the Rockets are playing some interesting fourth quarter basketball, and we'll leave it at that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you wake up this morning, you kind of read the markets. You're, I'm like, first thing you pop up, what's the NBA MVP market looking like? Is it completely reshaped now? Somehow, with seven games to go, there's still a wildly plus EV bet on the board in that market, and I kind of can't believe it. Uh, we've talked about it to death at this point, and if it doesn't happen, we're going to feel stupid, I guess. But, uh, you know, Giannis is live, and he's still 5-1. to one, And, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this breaks. Yes, I think he should be 2-1. to one. Uh, and we'll talk about it with uh, Matt Moore tomorrow on the pod, all the NBA awards. But now let's bring in Brad Spielberger of PFF. Uh, sorry about the Bulls last night, Brad, even though Drew threw me a victory lap. Uh, uh, let's talk about Lamar Jackson. Um, we've got odds up for who his next team will be, if not the Ravens and the Colts are the favorites there at plus 225 and then the Patriots who are always at the top of these kind of boards they're plus 450 <laughs> uh do you have any read on what team you think is a great fit for Lamar and where he might ultimately end up yeah at this point I honestly think the Colts might be in a market of one uh in terms of the teams that really have serious interest that are going to explore this going to have the conversations look into how they can go about this um and, and the thing is they would wait after the draft most teams that we're talking about would wait until after the draft the Colts obviously do not want to give up the fourth overall pick but if they wait at, until after the draft and then sign into an offer sheet it would be a 2024 and 2025 first um, and one other random you know anecdote but you cannot trade for more than the two first. I've seen a lot of tweets and, and comments of, oh, well, the Ravens could also just trade him for – no. Like, you have to stick to the two first-round picks on this offer sheet or less, um, and, and that is just something I, I wanted to mention as well. I, I just uh, can't get enough of how hard it is to find the actual rules, right? Like, I, you would think that you could just Google, hey, NFL free agency rule book and, like, a – PDF copy would pop up, but no, it is extremely difficult to get your hands on what exactly are the uh, the rules. But uh, that is the key point that is missing from every Lamar conversation out there. Nothing was ever going to happen until after the draft because all of the teams with any realistic reason to go get him would much rather give up 2024 and 2025. If you're the Colts, you're literally like, well, we we'll trade for Lamar Jackson and then we'll we'll send the we'll send the Ravens a 32nd pick next year no problem. Yeah, no yeah, easy. Uh yeah, way way different comp than fourth this year, which is just, you know, the the disparity is enormous, but um anyway, it makes total sense and I do think we will be continuing to talk about this through the month of April, which is I guess not a great thing, but uh so be it. Uh any uh any read on if he goes to the Colts if they are a realistic contender for an AFC? 
So, yeah, they, uh, I mean, they would be a contender in the division, I think. Um, I, I'm still kind of low on the Tennessee Titans. They had that Vrabel bump, I think, with the seven-and-a-half win total. I guess maybe it could have been eight if, if the market really believed in Mike, uh, Mike Vrabel. But, yeah, I mean, I like Jacksonville a lot. That was the first division odd drop I bet immediately, minus 130 when it came out. I think it's minus 160 now. But, yeah, if Lamar goes there, I mean – we talk a ton about how bad their offensive line is last year. And like they, they could just have positive health regression and some of these highly paid players just play a lot better. Um, you know, the weapons aren't great, but Michael Pittman's probably better than anyone he had in Baltimore so far. And the defense, you know, has a good defensive line. I actually like their free agency adding Samson Ebicam. Um, They got to figure out the, the secondary a bit, but yeah, I think they would be contender in the division if they get Lamar. Yeah. The Colts are a weird team because they came into last season as basically minus 110 favorites to win the division so favorite over the field uh and obviously they were in very good position the year prior to make the playoffs before bottling those two games uh much to my chagrin uh against the raiders and then the jags as 16 and a half point favorites in jacksonville to miss the playoffs and now uh they get basically close to the worst quarterback play in the league last season, um, particularly mm-hmm. down the end of the season. Uh, and the Jags, who I think definitely deserve to be favorites, but are somewhat, uh, I mean, they're not a Chiefs-like juggernaut that's terrifying in that division the way that, that other teams are. So, I mean, even if they don't get Lamar, is there any chance, Is if the Colts, if they end up with um, a quarterback in the draft. Is there any chance that they can make noise in the division or is it just purely Lamar or bust for their AFC South hopes? You know, I think at this point with them sitting at four, my estimation, realistically, Anthony Richardson is probably the guy that's going to be there, him or Will Levis. And I, well, I am just not a Will Levis fan. And B, Richardson to me is, is a project, not as big of a project as I think he's being made out to be. Uh, in particular, I love that his pressure to sack rate in college was super, super low. Like he doesn't make, you know, like Malik Willis, for example, similar, maybe last year people thought, hey, all the tools, big arm, all these things. Malik Willis takes sacks more than anyone we've ever seen in the history of the, the game of football. So like, like, there are some positives with Anthony Richardson, but still, all of that said, you know, he he would not, you know, he would not have a good rookie year. So I do think if you want to bet AFC South division winner, it probably is Lamar Boston, Indianapolis. Yeah, I don't have any inside information here, but I do think they ultimately intend on using the fourth pick to either trade down and take a tackle, um, take a cor- elite cornerback, uh, and then make the move for Lamar next year, um, and or. Uh, some other other path that we haven't even considered because I, the idea that you bring in Shane because all of the buzz in the coaching hiring circle cycle was they're going to stick with Saturday and it was literally like wow this is a joke of a franchise for another ten years I guess um, but then the hiring of Shane Steichen was really outside the box and very 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 um, shrewd I thought like that's a guy that can absolutely turn your franchise around in a quick uh, you know in a quick uh, you know uh, snap of the finger because you know he runs he comes from a couple of plus EV uh, you know conceptual tree and he comes from a plus EV decision making tree in terms of in game management so like I would have high hopes that he can be uh, a great quarterback you pair him with Lamar and you get some more talent on this team then Colts at five to one to win the south looks like a very very appetizing bet um, to a degree the Jaguars could take a step back they were up against it they had to move some players they had they're gonna have to shuffle their offensive line they don't have a ton of draft capital um, do you have any inclination to protect your position on uh, the Jaguars I know there's not a ton of equity there already but uh, uh, you know any chance that uh, people are maybe a year uh, you know, a year away from being satisfied that, you know, Trevor and uh, and Doug Peterson can, you know, kind of, you know, really bring home the glory. 
Yeah, so they did, they did lose some talent, no question, in particular for me on their defensive line, losing Arden Key, probably losing Dwayne Smoot, uh, you know, not, not signed yet, coming off an Achilles injury, but not there right now. Um, for me, though, adding Calvin Ridley, and I know we haven't seen what Calvin Ridley is in, in a couple of years now, but to just drop a potential number one wide receiver on this roster, to have the knockdown effect of Christian Kirk coming off an awesome season, but now doesn't have to have, you know, be that number one option. You get Evan Ingram back, who obviously was solid last year. So, uh, not really. I mean, maybe I'm too bullish on them, and, and they they could take a step back. But uh, I just think the division is so bad, um, and that we honestly could see some growth, um, more growth from Trevor Lawrence. It's basically his second year. Uh, if we kind of just ignore that that first rookie season with Urban Meyer, uh, but it, it's a fair question. Yeah, looking forward to the 2030s when the AFC South is no longer the worst. <laughs> football. Uh, before we get into the NFC West, which I think is more compelling. In a way, uh, a reminder that the baseball season is just around the corner, gentlemen. Uh, and you can get the Roto World Baseball Draft Guide, get all the player profiles, rankings, and projections you need for your draft. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash draft guide and use code PENNANT25 to save 25% at checkout. Now, the NFC West, Brad, uh, I think this market is a bit of a mess because we've got a minus 170 favorite in the 49ers who are also effectively a joint favorite to win the NFC despite not really having a quarterback uh, at the moment or at least a very defined quarterback situation. And then the Seahawks and the Rams are basically on level pegging at plus 350, plus 375, and then the Cardinals um, are the long shot at 25 to 1. Now, I don't understand why there isn't more separation between the Seahawks and the Rams. I think the Seahawks should be much shorter than the Rams. I think that if uh, Joe Burrow had an extra two seconds to throw at the end of the Super Bowl two years ago and hits Jamar Chase in the end zone, then I think the people's perception of the Rams is maybe a little bit different, and that's still baked in, the fact that you know they are such a recent Super Bowl champion. But what do you make of the NFC West? Yeah, the Seattle Seahawks were the most mispriced team in this entire market. They were plus 550 at drop. It is my biggest position in all of the divisional Ooh. futures. It's half of that at DraftKings now at plus 275. So uh, I completely agree with you there. I think the way to bet it now is really, you know, the, the over-under on the regular season win total for Seattle is 8.5 minus 105 to the over. The Rams is just 7.5, but it is juiced a little bit more. Oh, no, sorry. It's also juiced towards the over. It's like minus 130, I want to say, to the over. Um, so you can get plus money on there under 7.5. So I like both of those spots, taking the Seattle Seahawks over or the Rams under, obviously, to a degree, they're correlated being in that same division. But, yeah, I mean, Seattle, not you don't want to overreact to free agency, of course, but they, it's not like they went out and just made a bunch of splashes. Uh, you know, they had a bunch of small signings as well. Don't lose a lot of talent. The big thing for me, you know, they were they were four and six in one-score games last year, so there's none of that regression coming. Um, their Pythagorean win total was right around their actual win total, and they were starting rookies all over this yeah. roster that could get even better. Um, I, I, I like them a lot this year. You hit almost all the key points there. Seattle plus 350 at points bet right now to win the NFC West is the best bet on the board for anything football related, and it's not close. We only know one quarterback who will start this season uh, and end the season, and it was Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks. We, there was reports floating that the Niners may go Darnold to start the season next year because they're keeping the seat warm for Brock Purdy because they have lost that much confidence in Trey Lance. That is a problem. The Los Angeles Rams have given you every single signal they possibly can with their way that they've conducted their offseason that they're not even sure that Matt Stafford is coming back. 
We know he has an elbow injury. We know he was considering retirement after the Super Bowl win. Like, there is no, no world where either the Niners or the Rams should have this much confidence from the, uh, uh, the betting public, in my opinion, to compete for this division. And we know with the Cardinals... Kyler Murray's going to miss a huge chunk of the season. So this is very, very, very strange to me that the Seahawks are a bettable number of plus 350. And I'm ready to get my heart broken again because I think I had 40 to one for them last year. And on that Thursday night football game where everybody and their mother was like, I'm taking the Seattle Seahawks with the points at home. And then they got their doors blown out. Uh, that was a tough loss for me. So uh, I'm ready to get hurt again. Um, any uh, any read on uh, the Niners quarterback situation, which is probably the most interesting story in the NFC West? Yeah, you know, at this point, I really do think it is Brock Purdy's job to lose. I know John Lynch, the general manager, basically said that yesterday. But um, I, I actually wouldn't be surprised if Trey Lance, once Purdy's elbow is healthy, you know, he had the surgery, it was not a full Tommy John reconstruction. Once they see him throwing and they feel comfortable, I think Trey Lance is going to get traded. Whether that's them wanting to trade him or him and his agent saying, I'm the former number three overall pick. I'm not going to sit here going into year three and be a backup or maybe even a third stringer to Sam Darnold. Lance has an injury of his own as well. He needs to get healthy from, not as dramatic as Purdy's. But, yeah, I think it is Purdy's job, and maybe Darnold gets a start or two. I know Shanahan has always been high on Darnold uh, for whatever reason. But, yeah, I'm also, like, I'm looking at, you know, what team could he land on? He's from Minnesota. Do they bring in the, the heir apparent to Kirk Cousins? Does a team like Las Vegas, if they strike out in the draft, say, all right, let's get, let's get the heir apparent to Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, I'm already looking at where Trey Lance could be. Um, I don't think he's going to be in, in the 49ers' plans next season. Yep. Be fun if Trey Lance ended up on the Ravens, um, which you know, <laughs> who knows, might be in play. A uh, mm. couple last questions for you, Brad. Firstly, about the draft. Uh, Jackson Smith in Jigba is the heavy favorite to be the first wide receiver taken on points, but he's minus 200 now. That was even money not long ago at all. Do you agree with that? Do you think that's done? He seems to be getting mocked there consistently, or do you think there's a potentially a surprise? You know, in some buildings, he is the number one, number one receiver by a decent margin. Um, and I do think that an interesting thing for me with, with draft props recently is after we saw what happened in the COVID year and guys opting out like a Jamar Chase, Derek Stanley didn't opt out but did not have it, you know, had a much better N minus one season than his season right before the draft. And that has mattered less. And so I'm not really concerned that Justin Smith and Jigba missed basically all of last year, was not great when he did play. So I do think he's the favorite. I, I do think the market may be a little bit mispriced. Just if, if it's a flavor thing where some team wants a you know big-bodied X receiver and they want to get a Quentin Johnson instead. Um, but I do think he's he's well ahead of Jordan Addison, ahead of Zay Flowers, and, you know Jalen Hyatt, any of those guys. Um, I, I would lean Smith and Jigba, but like I said, if some team wants a particular player, um, it, it could be Quentin Johnson just because I, I do think Smith and Jigba is a slot-only uh, prospect. Ooh, wow. <laughs> that, uh, I've heard that from other evaluators as well. And, uh, that makes sense. Uh, but, uh, and I actually, I can't even really explain this price firming. I think there were people that kind of, uh, read way too much into the Texans specifically having a, you know, a set aside meeting with him at his pro day. And they kind of circled the Texans second pick and they're like, well, it's going to be him there. So, and I'm not seeing any steam that anyone else is going before him. So, uh, I guess that's a done deal, but, uh, far, 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 far from a done deal because the Texans have so many needs that they need, you know, that they could address a good player slides to them in that spot. I can see them absolutely going uh, best player available instead of trying to address wide receiver needs. So, uh, I agree that this is sort of a long shots market. Uh, Jay, you get, can I, can I sell you some Zay flowers at six to one? 
Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I, I think that that would be an okay bet at the price. I think Quinton Johnson is rightfully the second guy. It's just it seems like there is so much momentum behind Smith and Jigba. Um, but I think the one thing to note with these kinds of markets is they are not very liquid at all. These prices move around <laughs> all over the place. Trayvon Walker was uh, a massive price to go number one last season, and all of a sudden it just flipped. So uh, I wouldn't read too much into these markets as truth. Uh, Brad, you mentioned the Rams and Seahawks win totals uh, as ones that you liked. Is there any other uh, on the board that is compelling to you? Yeah, I, I think at this point um, you also should wait for the alt totals. You know, you know, if you're going to have a, a thesis on a team and think they're going to go over or under, like these these markets are kind of put in the middle. They're, they're not really aggressive in either direction. Um, I, I like a Dallas Cowboys alternate over when that does drop. They're currently nine and a half, uh, you know, in their standard price. But you know, I, I'm fading the, the New York Giants. Obviously, you know, out outplayed their their. Pythagorean win total and every metric you can find one score games all those things last year uh, the commanders still don't really have a quarterback and the Eagles I think are going to be a good team but obviously a lot of attrition uh, on that defense so potentially a Cowboys over uh, and then for me too you know, I, I think looking into potentially an alternate over for the Miami Dolphins. If you're kind of fading this Rodgers buzz, they, the Jets have a higher season win total, than, you know, including juice than the Dolphins right now. The Bills, to me, are a good team, but not a great team. And the Patriots, I mean, it's Bill Belichick. It's scary. Uh, but on paper, that is just not a very talented roster. Uh, so, again, if you want to bet Miami, you think two is going to stay healthy, like bet them to win the division or bet an, an alternate over, not, not just their standard price. Yeah, well, speaking of those Miami Dolphins, Brad, last one for you. Uh, I've got one to throw at you. There is a player in the NFL who last season was sixth in the league in pressures. He had the fifth highest pass rushing grade uh, among mm. all edge defenders. He's a He's got first-round pick pedigree. He was the 18th pick in the draft. He's 23 years old. And Jalen Phillips is 200 to 1 to win defensive player of the year. I think that is way wrong. I think he should be among the top eight or nine favorites. He's on a defense now that adds Jalen Ramsey, Vic Fangio. They're going to be really good. They've got, they're going to have a lot of attention as well, which I think is important for an award like this. I think that team could easily win the division and could be a juggernaut. And Jalen Phillips, I think the talent is there where he could be a guy who, who potentially does win DPOY. But what do you think of Phillips at 200 to 1? Absolutely love it. Could not agree more with everything you just said. So much attention in their front seven on other players. Yeah. Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer, you know, other edge guys they have. Emmanuel Ogba doesn't even get mentioned as a, a, on their roster anymore, and he's like one of the higher-paid guys at the position. So, yeah, love that bet. I love their linebacker, love their secondary, and, of course, you know, Chicago guy, love Vic Fangio. That, that's, that's a great bet. Yeah, he's been bashed into 50 to 1 on points but now, but I think there is still some uh, 150 and 200 to 1 out there. But I talk you, that, talk you into that, Drew? Oh, easily. I mean, you got the, there's so much talent, and you bring Vic Fangio into the building. Sign me up for all of the everything positive. I I love and the best point. Brad made a lot of great points today. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but the best was clearly wait for the all wait for the all win totals uh, because you know if you if you love the Lions this year, you're gonna you're gonna lay minus one fifty for them to go over their nine and a half wins or whatever it is. No, just wait for ten and a half or or bet it into you know the the higher uh, the higher upside markets that uh, you know that ultimately uh, have a lot more EV baked into them than laying the win totals. So, um, yep. but yeah, I, I think we're turning into a pro Dolphins podcast. I'm ready. Yes. All in dolphins, all in bears. Uh, Brad, thank you for joining. Thank you for making all of those good points. Uh, I think we both appreciated them. Uh, can you tell people where to follow your work? 
Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me as always. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad, and everything I'm putting out is at PFF.com. Awesome. Thank you, Brad. All right. Uh, before we talk some NBA, a reminder to download the Roto World app, Drew, to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoring players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in the App Store today. It's time to get your swagger back with PointsBet Sportsbook. New customers can sign up now with the code BETTHEEDGE to get five second chance bets up to $500. That's five straight days of second chances where PointsBet will match your losing wager in free bets. So use the promo code BETTHEEDGE and enjoy more live betting markets than ever before. PointsBet, it's your move. New customers only. Must be 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, or West Virginia. In partnership with Louisiana iGaming LP, DBA Boomtown, New Orleans. Second chance means that if any of your first five cash bets, that is the first bet per day for five consecutive days on a fixed odds market loses, you will receive free bets in the amount of the losing wager up to $100 each. Cash out is not available on all wagers and may not be equivalent to the initial wager. PointsBet can disable or suspend the cash out feature at any time. Additional terms and conditions apply. See the promotions page and terms and conditions section of the PointsBet website app for more details. Void where prohibited. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.net. In Colorado or Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Indiana, Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. In Virginia, call 1-888-532-3500. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. That's 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Pennsylvania, call 1-877-770-STOP. That's 1-877-770-6867 in Louisiana. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Go for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this! How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. Before we talk about the slate of games tonight, yeah. um, so last yesterday was a massive day in the NBA. Uh, I don't know, we started talking about it a bit at the start, but a couple things. One, Emmanuel quickly goes from <laughs> minus 110 to minus 200 to win six man of the year after he has 40 um, against the Middle East Rockets. <laughs> 40 is 40, and this is how these markets move. Um, so that, that was a massive shift. But the main thing is MVP, where... I mean, I think Embiid, the fact that the fact that he played the back-to-back uh, against the Warriors and Phoenix, and then the first game he sits in like uh, over a month, I think, happens to be this Denver game. After it's released the morning of, the article was Shams, where he's taking all these veiled pot shots at Jokic, which are very, over, like, very overt. And then to sit the game, uh, I just think that... It, big section of the voter base because the thing is with Embiid is that he's always had his case has been about sentiment and momentum 
Yeah. And because he's, he's never had the individual case in terms of the advanced stats and everything that Jokic has, he doesn't have the team success case that Jokic or Giannis have because now he's five games back of Giannis and the over-under there is he's probably going to end up six or seven back of Giannis. And he's also a three seed and Jokic is a one seed and two games in front of him. And so I just think he's stunted all his momentum now. The Sixers have lost four of five. They've got a brutal schedule to close. Uh, and... Also, I just I think sentiment now he's not going to have much sympathy after what he's pulled here, rightly or wrongly. So we talked about Giannis, and we think that's a bet. Do you think that Jokic? What's Jokic's path to winning MVP now? Giannis falling on his face, getting hurt, not playing the rest of the season. I think is really the only way. Um, I don't think because yeah, this is this is starting to get complicated in a lot of ways. But I agree with your overall sentiment. The Sixers, as a team, are going to finish uh, with a whimper, uh, as we know with recency bias that does not portend well to people wanting to give you awards. Uh, they ha- still have an absolutely ridiculous home stretch here, uh, where the best he can do is just absolutely show up and be a nightmare in a win against the bucks. And then against the Celtics, if he does that, then he's back in the case, but that's, we're talking like plus 500 ish that that happens, uh, which is, I think why minus one Oh five is a terrible current price for Joel Embiid. Um, by the way, did you know Embiid has dodged Jokic now in Denver, like three or four straight seasons? Yeah, he, hasn't, he hasn't played in Denver against against Jokic since 2019. Yeah. <laughs> People I mean, know to, this. Yeah. To be fair, the first two absences were part of like 10-game absences. Sure, right? sure. But this one, this one doesn't look good at all. Uh, <laughs> and it's the fact that he played the back-to-back in Phoenix. Yeah. He can't yeah. play the back-to-back and then sit this game. Like, no. yeah, this is the Phoenix game. Absolutely. Um, and I'm not yeah. sure if it's if, – is it – is it worse if Embiid sits the Dallas game on Wednesday on national TV? That probably makes it look better missing it makes this it look one. Better. But, then, yeah. but then also, like, if he misses that game, they're much more likely to lose it. That's... And all of a sudden, the team has lost five of six and is a half game clear of Cleveland for the four seed. Yeah. So uh, it's a bit of a mess. I have high Embiid. confidence that Cleveland flips them. Okay. And is the three seed. Um, that, and it's the, the remaining schedule is just heinous. And you, you make, a, if Joel wants to get, you know, to, to save a little bit of face here, he absolutely has to sit out against Dallas. But that's their easiest remaining game until you get to the, fi- the finale against Brooklyn. Like they just don't have any easy games left here. Uh, so it's, yeah, the Sixers and Embiid are in absolute deep trouble. That is a, uh, um, you know, that they, are, they are out of gas. Uh, yes. sputtering uh, Jokic the case against Jokic and we've covered it ad nauseum at this point but it's very clear people have decided they will not give him a first place vote in this year's cycle because they don't want to see a three-time MVP that has this as little uh, playoff success as Jokic has on his resume yep. then because of that the default for an entire block of people which is a non-trivial amount of the voting block is best player best team Milwaukee Bucks are going to clear the Denver Nuggets in terms of wins by like two or three wins. Uh, the Nuggets could potentially lose to the Suns coming down the home stretch, which I think you brought up in the past. Kevin Durant is coming back. Those are going to be yeah. tough games for them. They may be best served having playoff success if they put Jokic on ice until the playoffs. Uh, and so I think realistically, the fact that Giannis is still available and anywhere close to the five to one range is just bananas. Points bet has somewhat of a pulse here. They're hanging four to one. Um, but I think, I don't recall this late in the season, this late in the cycle, uh, as um, uh, as good of a 
uh, a bet to be made in the awards markets. Um, one kind of final thought on your quickly point. Uh, are you worried at all about quickly sixth man of the year, considering he are they going to give him sixth man of the year, most improved player and some MVP votes? Or is that you know, you, you, no, no worries there, right? The thing with quickly that people keep bringing up to me is that he keeps having these massive games as a starter. It's like the guy has started 17 games. He's come off the bench for 58 games. Like that's not that, – that doesn't hurt his case. To me, that helps his case. Like part of being the sixth man is that you're the sixth man. And if one of the top five guys go down, you slide into the starting lineup and you scale your role up. And he's done that incredibly well. Odom started 37 games. Ginobili started 23. Crawford started 24. Like, quickly, he's going to be beneath all of those guys. So I don't see that that's a blight on his case at all. I think that should only strengthen his case. And Brogdon hasn't started a single game all season because he's kind of superfluous to the team because they don't need him yeah. to start games because they're so loaded. He's not superfluous to the team, but you know what I mean. He's not yeah. as important I know, yeah. as quickly as to the Knicks. So the last thing I'll say on MVP is that here's the way that I'm framing the pricing of this market. Giannis is going to be like minus 135 to beat Boston in Milwaukee. Okay. Uh, fair. He's going to be minus 150 to beat the Sixers in yep. Milwaukee on Sunday after the Thursday game against Boston on national TV. So if yep. he sweeps those two games, which is, is going to be around like plus 190, the parlay, I think he just wins MVP. If he sweeps those two games, secures the one seed. Like the thing is, is like right now he doesn't have that much momentum because he lost to Jokic um, and all the talk has been Jokic and Bede. Momentum starts very quickly. And if he beats Boston to secure the one seed, it starts. If he then beats Embiid on a Sunday night game that a lot of people are going to be watching the night before the national championship, then all of a sudden he's got all the momentum in the world. So I think that yeah. Giannis's price is basically plus 190 to win MVP. Because I think yeah. if he sweeps those two games, <laughs> obviously he's not off the board, but he's got yeah. paths to win without doing that too. So I think that's, uh, I, that's his price. I think the momentum has already started. People are already saying best player, best team. Yeah, And I think that's the way it breaks this year. I, yep. You know, you, you pull the same voting block, who's the best team, you're getting 90% bucks right now? Oh, yeah. Right now? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and then you and then you then you pull who's the best player. Yep, I agree. Um, let's talk about the games tonight. Anything on your card, Drew? Yes, I got a handful of bets in the in the association tonight. The uh, fatigue uh, fatigue disadvantage has been the cheat sheet uh, going on about a week, uh, and. It's had a bad season. Uh, I haven't really even been betting it. In fact, somebody else in the market has been betting rest disadvantage uh, aggressively, like over betting it and has been losing uh, this season. It has not been me. Uh, I've basically been on the sidelines just kind of keeping an eye on this. Um, but in the last week, this is literally has been the answer key. Uh, and there are four spots that pop tonight. Uh, I am looking at, let me pull them all up. Cleveland Cavaliers, even though they are atrocious on the road, uh, have a rest advantage over the Atlanta Hawks. So I, I took uh, Cavs plus two. Um, Miami Heat have a rest advantage over Toronto. Now, Toronto is not especially tired, but uh, the Heat obviously playing with four, playing four a lot there. Uh, I put them, I took them at, uh, sorry, I took Cavs minus two at plus 103. I took Miami Heat plus two and a half at plus 106. Uh, I'm selling points if you couldn't already tell. Uh, and then I took Golden State Warriors minus nine at minus 105 new orleans pelicans coming in uh, in a, a very bad spot so uh looking for uh, rest to carry the day for me in the nba but uh for what it's worth there's a lot better stuff on the board tomorrow yes uh i think the raptors heat game is is pretty compelling because 
Uh, we'll see if Kyle Lowry goes or if he's going to sit that out and then play the back-to-back in the garden tomorrow against the Knicks. I think the Raptors might be good um, and potentially really good because the market, so. the market <laughs> loves them. Market yeah. loves them every game. Yeah. Um, and I would expect that potentially this price could steam even more because the Raptors Dang. steam every single game. Um, and I think that, you know, like Jakob Pertl's been really good for them. Um, defensively, it gives them a shot-blocking presence they haven't had. And then also offensively, now they finally have like a heartbeat of their offense, which is the Van Vliet, Pertl pick and roll. Like uh, previously, mm-hmm. Raptors' offense was so grim to watch mm-hmm. if it wasn't in transition. It was just, all right, Siakam go to work, OG go to work. Uh, and now the fact that Van Vliet and Pertl are kind of anchoring this offense and then they've got all the length defensively, um, you know, what they do on the boards and in transition. So I think they're an interesting team. The Heat, coming off that that loss against Brooklyn the other day was completely yeah. brutal. The Heat needed to win that game to stay out of the play-in, um, and they just got absolutely destroyed. So I don't really know what's going on with that team. I mean, the day before that, or a couple of days before, they beat the Knicks. So they're just really up and down. You just don't know what you're going to get outside of anyone except for Butler and Bam night to night. So um, they're a, a very strange team. I'm with you on the Cavs. Um, I mean, again, the Cavs are a team that steam consistently because <laughs> look at, you know, most of the publicly available models, the Cavs are going to win the NBA championship. So, and they're going to play Toronto uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals. So, um, <laughs> definitely another team that the market loves. Right. A real quick uh, uh, comment on uh, the Raptors Heat game. Mm. I could be on the wrong side of that one. Entirely possible. Uh, the Raptors might be might, might be the the sleeping giants that upset the entire picture in the Eastern Conference. That's possible. This is an important game to watch because this looks like the seven eight. Yes. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets have too easy of a schedule remaining, I think, to fall into the play. And as much as we would all love to see the Brooklyn Nets work their way out. I think we all want to see that. Maybe not everyone, but I certainly want to see them work their way out. Um, the uh, Or at least work their way into a seed where they're dispatched uh, relatively comfortably. Um, the uh, the schedule is just too easy for them down the home stretch. Uh, too many games where they're literally playing a team that's trying to lose. Uh, and so I think they're going to hold on to the sixth seed, which means your 7-8 is going to be Miami-Toronto. It's probably going to be in Miami. It might be in Toronto. And tonight's game is going to determine that. Uh, this game... One of the most, one of the best coaching matchups that we have in the sure. NBA today, uh, and similarly that playing game in the seven eight uh, between this game and that game, you know, just absolute must watch TV. So uh, very excited for that one. Yeah, Miami's season in terms of their positioning is going to come down to the next thirty six hours, like playing at Toronto at the Knicks. I mean, there's a very good chance they lose both of those, and then all of a sudden you can basically kiss the top six away because not they, they don't have the tie break against Brooklyn. They've lost that. Uh, and so it'll they need to leave them in the standings and they're going to have to do it with a much harder schedule. Miami's got to play, you know, games uh, at Philadelphia as well coming up. So it's pretty tough for them. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I know there's an idea that, you know, you don't want to see the heat in the playoffs. And look, I think Jimmy Butler is the most <laughs> underrated basketball player in 20 years and the top 10 player in the league. And yes, he's scary in the playoffs, but Gabe Vincent's not scary. Max Struess isn't scary. No, the rest no, of the no. team outside of Bam isn't scary. So I think so, lose in five. And give me, one. give me your rapid fire gut reactions right now, because I think that it looks to me at least like the East playoff picture is crystallizing. Sure. Uh, Knicks live against the Sixers in the four or five. 
I'd love to yeah. put in the Sixers in the four five. Uh, I think that's happening. I really don't. I really don't think the Sixers are finishing in the three. I don't think the Knicks are alive in that series. You don't no. think they're alive? Okay. Even Doc Rivers in a game seven? I think the Sixers are <laughs> minus three hundred in okay. that series. Honestly. Okay. Yep. Um, Raptors live against the Celtics in the two seven. Uh, no, no. I don't no. Think I think that's a series Ooh. that could go six potentially, but I the Raptors they're just not they're not elite defensively and they're still not enough on offense where that that's like a tricky matchup, but it's also one that I'd be pretty shocked if that got to a game okay. seven. A lot of history are. between Raptors and Celtics, so that'd be sure. super fun to see that in the two seven. Heat live against the Bucks in the one eight. No, no, they're not. They're not live. Uh and I know the Heat uh did upset. A lot of history there. <laughs> well, there's history in that they destroyed them in the bubble and then got swept the year after by the Bucks. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's scary to see Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, but I just the Bucks are a different tier of team. Okay. And the Heat, I mean, the Heat have got a relatively healthy season out of Jimmy. They've got a really healthy season out of Bam. Yeah, and they're trying to stay as the seventh seed. Like they're just not. There's just not that much. They're starting Kevin Love. Like there's Decent just not coaching. that much there. Decent coaching advantage. Spo over. Uh... Over, boo- think, over buds. I, um, okay. I, I think Spo is the best coach. But. Cavs, are the Cavs live in the 2 3 against the Celtics? Yes, they are. I don't Oof. think they'll win that series, but I think they're, uh, they are live. I think the Cavs are really good. I just wish they didn't have Isaac Okoro in their starting lineup. Um, yeah. We just replaced him with even just like, like Dylan Brooks or something, just a better version of Isaac Okoro. Uh, I'd feel much better about the Cavs. I don't think that the Cavs ultimately have enough to get out of the east but at the same time like their net rating all their advanced numbers the market absolutely loves them um but i don't think they quite have the talent to beat i think they could beat one of boston milwaukee if things go their way i don't think they can it's realistic for them to beat both of them okay and then uh sixers live at all against the bucks in the one four yeah definitely i think the okay. Sixers are legit. i think they're slightly worse than the bucks and the Celtics just because they're still having to play Shake Milton and Paul Reed and the Celtics and Bucks just don't have that kind of weakness in their rotation. Um, and I think the Celtics and Bucks just have more looks. The Sixers look is James Harden and Joel Embiid. Uh, and that, that, that's it. Like there's no, yeah. there's no, oh, we can shift Giannis at center. We can go big with Horford and Williams or we can go small with Horford at center. Um, the Sixers are what they are. It's just what they are is, is really good. And I, <laughs> I, I'm in the minority on this, but I think Embiid is better than Giannis, and I would rather have Embiid for the playoffs than Giannis. Uh, I know we want our Giannis MVP ticket to get home, but I think that um, I think Embiid is is the best guy at the moment. Uh, I, I don't think okay. he's going to win MVP because of it, because of his team and how it's all playing out. But I think uh, I would rather have him in a playoff series than than anyone at the moment. I think. Yeah, no, I think we can put a final bow on this entire podcast by saying that uh, Giannis is the least deserving MVP candidate who we think will win and ought to be bet. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I uh, couldn't say it better myself. All right, we are done. Don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for more information to help you with your wages. Uh, thanks for everyone watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. And if you're listening to us as a podcast, don't forget to rate and subscribe. I'm Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick. We'll be back tomorrow. 